Father, we just want to thank you once again for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are here, Father. We've entered a new month, a new year for us, for us as a church. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Yes, Lord, thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your covenant. Father, your word says, O oh Lord, your, your covenant will stand for a thousand generations to those who fear your name. Your anger is only but for a moment. Even the iniquity only you, Father, visit unto the fourth generation. But Lord, your mercy, O oh Lord, to a thousand generations. We just want to thank you. And we just want to thank you, Father, for us as a church, for everyone here in the body of Christ, a part of GDC family. Lord, Lord we have entered into the 14th year, O oh Lord. Continue to speak to us. Continue to prepare us. Continue, Lord Jesus, to work, Father, in us and through us. Form us, O oh Lord. Transform us a little more, even, the, even during this year. To the ministry, through the ministry of the word, through the ministry of prayer, to be conformed to the image of your son. Transform us, O Lord. Father, go ahead of us, straighten crooked paths for us, and be with us. And even now, as we meditate upon your word, speak to us, anoint us afresh, reveal to us your heart. Even through familiar portions, let them not become familiar to us. Your word is as deep as you. Oh, the depths of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his ways and his paths beyond finding out. But Lord, you said that you reveal them to us through your spirit. And therefore this morning, speak to us. Father, strengthen us. Strengthen us in our faith. Enrich us in our spirit. To that end, I pray that you would be with us, O Lord, even during the ministry of the word. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 6, <clears throat> and let's read from verses 1 to 4. <clears throat> it says, um, Now in those days when the number of disciples were mul- was multiplying, there arose a complaint against Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brothers, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Just keep this verse in mind to most important ministries in the church, the ministry of the word, of prayer and of the word in that order here. Um, why is this important and what is the reason why, one of the primary reasons as to why we should constantly subject ourselves to this uh, dual ministry, twofold ministry. If you turn with me to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15, this is what it says, <clears throat> sixteen fifteen of Revelation, it says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Hmm. So Jesus is coming as a thief, right? 
He is coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Right? And if you, if you, if you know thief comes when you are actually least prepared. You are actually not even prepared. Okay. I know exactly what I am talking about. Sometime back, at least last year if I am right, a person who came into our apartment, not to our home, we were in deep slumber and it was raining. Okay. Nicely locked the door from outside and he wanted to do his business. Thankfully, he didn't break in. And early in the morning, I got up and because I had to put the garbage out, I was trying to open my door. It's locked <laughs> from outside. I, was, I, I couldn't just imagine what was, I mean, I was thinking, who must have done this? Okay, it's still not aware what had happened. Okay. I was thinking somebody might have done a prank and gone. And uh, then I called the lady who was supposed to pick up the garbage. I called her from the balcony and said, please, just can you come and open my door? Still did not figure out what had happened. She came and she opened the door so everything looked normal. And then I went downstairs to to switch on the motor for the water. And when I, tr- and I just opened the door, I saw that the lock was gone. The key was... I was like manipulated. Somebody tried to uh, mess with the key. And then I realized that the home was broken into. Totally unawares. Totally. You know, the word for thief in the Greek is klepto. Klept. <laughs> klepto means unaware. Okay. So that's exactly how Jesus will come. You are absolutely unaware. Okay. You know, think about it, no? And from the next day onwards, I was, <laughs> I was like on guard all the time and he never, never came. So naturally, you know, he will not come. Uh, so this is exactly what he's talking about. He's saying, I will come as a thief. And he tells, uh, uh, in the, the church of Sardis, if you turn Revelation chapter three, verse three. Okay. Look at what it says. Huh? Uh, this is what he has to say, no? Remember therefore how we have received. And heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Why? Because you have a reputation that you are alive, but you are what? Dead. So, thief, so we, one of the things, um, if you will, of, of, the, of the ministry of the word, there is no greater ministry, I just wrote this down, there is no greater ministry for the church Except to prepare the church, then God is including all of, all of us for the coming of the Lord. Okay. There's no other great ministry. Okay. That is why we come to the ministry of the word and, and prayer, especially in these days. We don't come for knowledge or for Bible study. We come because we are expecting to see him and we want to prepare ourselves for that. We're expecting. I hope we are. Okay. No, of course we don't have exams. Even 12th class board exams have been cancelled. We are living in strange times. Okay. Alright. No exams at all. So, so if we are not, if we as a church are not being prepared for the coming of the Lord, are we really the church? Because the spirit and the bride say, come and if the church is supposedly the bride of Christ, then we are supposed to be a people who are prepared for the exam, the final ultimate exam where we will stand before the examiner and we have to give an account of all that we have done. Whether good, or whether bad. And we will receive our rewards. Therefore, we have to prepare ourselves. When First Thessalonians chapter 5, 
If you if you turn there, please. Verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> like it says, But concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves perfectly know. Okay, that means these guys had a complete understanding about the knowledge as to when and how Jesus will come back. That, that the day of the Lord so comes as how? As a thief in the night. Okay, thief in the night. And then go on, it's verses 3 and 4. It says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So Thessalonian church was absolutely prepared. They said, you know what? This day, if it is going to come upon us, we'll be absolutely prepared and be aware. Be aware that, you know, and we are not going to be caught unawares. Okay, anytime, Lord, exam. The two kinds of schools. There's Zilla Parishad and China. That is Chaitanya Narayana. Okay. Now, if I were to ask, uh, Raj is going to have a baby very soon. No, don't, if, if, if GTLC didn't exist. Okay, I'm just giving you a, a hypothetical situation. Okay. Okay. Two options are given. Zilla Parishad school or Narayana school. Which, which one will you choose? Narayana. Why Narayana? No, think about it, no? Uh, the other day I was actually looking at, uh, uh, Kejriwal's work in, uh, in Delhi. And he's done some fantastic work with the government schools of Delhi. And some of the government schools of Delhi are fabulous. Okay. And you need to understand to get a, to become a government teacher, do you think the government teacher is more qualified or the teacher in uh, Narayana is more qualified? What do you think? What is your expectation? Uh, government school. Because their education, the qualification, the cutoff marks are, I mean, their, their, their requirements to get into the government school is very, very high. However, you still will not send your child there simply because, why? Narayana, full everyday exam, surprise exam, okay, weekly exam, daily exam, sudden quiz, Okay, midterm, end term, so many exams, everyday exam. When we have one of the uh, children who's uh, preparing for JE exam, he's got two exams in a day. Morning and evening. <laughs> you see, think about it, no, a guy who's used to exams morning and evening. And when the sudden exams comes, will he be caught unawares? No. He's confident. So, and it's exactly how Paul prepared his Thessalonian church. He said, my dear brothers, you, 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 concerning times and seasons, I know you're not aware, you're not ignorant. Uh, you actually, KJV uses the word that you're not ignorant. I told you, you, know, there are several kinds of brothers. There are Baptist brothers, Pentecostal brothers, and in all these churches, there are ignorant brothers. There's one denomination everywhere. Okay. Common set everywhere. And he says, that day should not catch you unawares. Why? Because you yourselves perfectly know that that day will come as a thief and hope that you're prepared. And because you sure, you're not in darkness so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. And you don't have to look at the subsequent verses. He calls them children of the light and sons of the day and sons of light. Okay. So the ultimate purpose, I mean, really, if you would, if you want to look at what is the whole purpose of the ministry of the word and of prayer, that one day we will stand before him and we will have to give an account. And we are through all these days of teachings, what are we being prepared for? We are being prepared for a church which will be ready to meet its maker. Okay. Be ready to meet its maker. Maker is your husband, right? We are ready, hopefully. We'll meet, we'll meet our maker who is our husband and not our judge. So, 
Ephesians chapter 5, we need two ministries. What is the ministry? Ministry of prayer and ministry of the word. Why are these two important? Through the ministry of the word, primarily, if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, onwards, especially, husbands love your wives, 25 and 26, okay? Uh, 25 onwards. Husband, love, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word so that, in order that, verse 27, he might present her to what? Himself. A glorious church. Another word for glorious church is a church which is adorned in festal apparel. That's the word actually. Festal, beautiful garments that you should be for, not found what? Naked at his coming, right? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blame before Christ. Again, in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, we know this verse, verse very well. Look at what he says. Paul, he's saying uh, to the Corinthian church, this is what he says. He says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a what? As a chaste virgin to Christ. Why? Look at verse, verse 3. Because, because, because what happens? For I fear lest somehow as Eve, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. What had happened when the servant deceived Eve by craftiness? What there was the end result of this entire process? That they became naked. Okay. Now the thing is, they actually covered themselves. But when God came, <laughs> in the presence of God, they knew that they were what? Naked. Now think about it. Were they having a conversation with God? Yes. Were they speaking to God on what God was God speaking to them? Yes. But were they were they blameless and were they really confident in facing God? No. Think about that. So, we need to be careful about, that is the reason why the ministry of the word is, is so important, that we understand what those corrupt doctrines are, which will not prepare us for the second coming. And again, why the ministry of prayer? First, first Peter chapter 4 verse 7. First Peter chapter 4 verse 7. If you can put it in the ESV, it's very interesting. In the ESV. <clears throat> okay. But the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful. In your prayers. So both the prayers and the word is both connected, is both are there to be, uh, are, are, are the fundamental building blocks in the church, the ministry in the church, in order to prepare us for the coming. Now that we'll be sober, that we'll be vigilant, and at the same time, we take the ministry of the word and this, what is, what is the every other gospel, every other gospel which will not talk about the seriousness of the standards of God, which will lower the standards of God and not prepare for, uh, prepare us for his coming. You see? They're deceiving us. You'll be deceived. See? So, if you turn again to uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 to 44, look at what it says. Hmm? Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house, or the householder, okay, the steward of the house, had known what what hour, what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Okay? So therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That means when you least expect, you see, then he's gonna come. Okay? So, 
so this is so important. So what are the patterns? As I said, you just keep this in mind. Acts chapter 6 verse 4, you don't have to turn there again. There's a ministry of the prayer and ministry of word. In the first coming of Jesus, in the first coming of Jesus, people, that is the Jewish people, were told the precise time for them to expect the Messiah. If you look, read the prophecies of Daniel, they, you, you can actually calculate exactly what time the Messiah would come. When he would come, where he would come, when he would be crucified. They were all aware, at least in theory, as to when to expect the Messiah. But no one ever thought that he would actually come. They lived in a state of unbelief. The word of God was precise and exact about the first coming of Jesus. Okay. But were they ready? Everything was absolutely precise. When he would come, what time would come? You know, if you read the 70 weeks of Daniel, what time the Messiah would be cut off, etc. Everything was clearly mentioned. And that's exactly what, what, what Jesus tells, uh, when he weeps over Jerusalem, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who slaughter the prophets, okay, you did not know what? The time of your, of your visitation. This is the exact time you knew, you should have known. But now what is, what is going to happen? Your house is left unto you desolate. And until you cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they knew the precise and exact time. Look at this. They had all the prophecies. Everything was given to them. And they were expected to know, know the, 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 the time, of, time and the place of the first coming of Jesus Christ. And they missed it because of their unbelief. Now think about it. In the new covenant, God says, I'm not, I, I, I will not tell you when I'm coming back. How much more we have to be prepared. When they had all the information and they failed and we have no information and we are expected to? No. See, this. think about the seriousness of this, my dear brothers and sisters. Okay. How much more we should be aware in our spirits and be ready for His coming. Okay. So that, that is the reason why we have to preempt. Okay. Preempt. So we have to preempt the toughest question. Every examination, you have to preempt the toughest question. And when you're prepared for the worst case scenario, then, you know, whatever comes your way, you'll be okay. See, I'll give you an example. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 onwards. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, uh, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born, the king of the Jews? He is already born. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And then what happens? The, mo- the moment they heard this, when Herod had heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where that Christ was to be born. And then they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, as it is written in the prophet. They know exactly, Micah, they were quoting Micah, chapter 5, if I'm right, exactly they knew, they knew the coordinates as to where the Messiah would be born. And think about the unbelief of the Jewish people when Jesus came for the first time. So, we should not be caught. That is the reason why it says in uh, Matthew, Luke chapter 18, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on earth? Important. So, who are those two people? Therefore, I'm telling you, tell, telling you so the, what are the characteristics of those people who will be prepared and be ready for the second coming of Jesus? You see a type in the, in the old covenant believer who were ready for the first coming of Jesus. And that same type you'll see 
will also be a people who will be ready for the second coming of Jesus. People who are given over to the ministry of the word and to the ministry of prayer. How do I know this? This paradigm is given to us in the gospel according to Luke chapter 2 verse 25 onwards. Okay, let's read a few verses from verse 25 and I'm also, uh, and also chapter 2 and verse uh, 36 onwards. Okay, and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Okay, first paradigm. What does Simeon represent? The ministry of the? Okay, we'll see. Let me show you the other option, okay? So that you, then again, same 36, Luke chapter 2, verse 36. So he came by the Spirit into the 36, 36, 36, sorry, 2, 36. Yeah. Now, there was one Anna. Anna means grace, okay? It's a, it's a Jewish, it's a Greek equivalent of Hannah. A prophetess, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asia. She was of great age and she lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And then, um, yeah. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years old. Who did not depart from the temple, but served God with what? Fastings and prayers and night and night day and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption. So what does Anna represent? The ministry of prayer. And so what should Simeon represent? So you see both these people. That is the reason why I was, I was trying to put this into perspective. Why is the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer so important? Because these are the two paradigms which will prepare you for the coming of Jesus. And what are the constituent elements of those uh, of those people who have actually subjected themselves to uh, the ministry of word and to the ministry of prayer is what we want to look at today. Um, as I said, familiar portions, but you know, they're always surprises, right? If you dig in a little bit. Let's go back to Luke's gospel chapter 2. <clears throat> the seven characteristics of this man. Who subjected himself to the ministry of the word? We'll look at look at that man today. Okay, turn 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 to Luke look Luke two verse twenty five and twenty six. <clears throat> Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man <clears throat> was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it has been it was uh, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, etc. Seven things that are mentioned about this man, okay? If there are not seven, I'll find seven, okay? A perfect and a complete man, okay? See, what it says, he was a man in Jerusalem. Notice that first point, okay? Second, a man whose name is Simeon. That is also mentioned about the man. Third, a man who was just. Fourth, a man who was devout. Fifth, a man who was waiting for the consolation. A man, sixth, a man upon whom the Holy Spirit was seventh a man who had a revelation seven things mentioned about the man who subjected himself to the ministry of the word and how do i know that he was subjecting himself to the ministry of the word what does simeon mean anybody know simeon means hearing we'll come to that later on so where is this man this was a man who was in jerusalem Okay. What is Jerusalem? As I said, many of my teachings. Jerusalem is a place of teaching. Jerusalem is a place where you are protected and warned. Jerusalem, Jerusalem is a place where the word of God is honored. I'll come to that. Jerusalem is a place where righteousness and peace reign. 
Jerusalem is a place where you have the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek, the high priest. Jerusalem is a place where you are protected. You leave Jerusalem at your own peril. Own peril. First Kings chapter 2, verse 36. Look at the person who has received mercy. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, build yourself a house where? In Jerusalem, build yourself a house. What more do you want? After all that you have done against the king and spoken against the king, you have been extended and shown mercy. What is God asking you to do? Please build yourself a house in Jerusalem and stay there. And what? Dwell there and do not go out from there. I am telling you, sadly in in Christendom, there are so many people who have left Jerusalem. The problem is, here is a physical Jerusalem and it's very easy to identify what happens when you leave spiritual, I mean, physical Jerusalem. Immediately you're attacked. But what happens to those people who are not even aware? It's a spiritual condition. They've gone away. They've started well, but slowly they have departed from the teaching of the word of God. And you know what happens to Shimei. You know, what is Jerusalem? It is a place where God is asking all of us. This is a place of teaching. Come under the teaching of the word of God and be there. Okay, be there. Don't run away. What was Jerusalem before? Jerusalem was a place which was occupied by the Jebusites. Exactly. Jerusalem is a place in our lives where the spirit of the Jebusite has been evicted. And who is a Jebusite? The word Jebusite means the one who tramples. You know, you remember in Matthew chapter 6 it says, Do not throw that which is holy to the pigs, I'm sorry, to precious to the pigs and the holy to the dogs, lest they do what? They trample. So Jebusite is a place, oh, what is a Jebusite spirit? A Jebusite spirit is a spirit of trampling and dishonoring the word of God. And you'll see in the in the parable of the sower in Luke's gospel chapter 8, you'll see what happens to those people where the word of God has been sowed, the people the, where the word of God falls on the wayside, what do they do? They trample it. And then immediately this, immediately the devil comes and steals the word of God. So Jebusite spirit has been affected. What is that? Where has it been affected? Remember, remember when, um, when the, the angel of death was slaughtering, uh, the Israelites, uh, it comes to a place called of what? Aruna, the Jebusite. It's a threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And what has happened? And that is exactly the place where the temple of God is being built from where, what the teaching will, was supposed to go. The law should come, for, or come forth out of Zion. So, they, so he judges there, the threshing floor means is a place of judge, judgment. He judges the Jebusite spirit, he evicts the Jebusite, and he pays the price for buy, buying the place because it's, he says, I'm not going to offer to God that which cost me nothing. He evicts that place of the every Jebusite spirit and he builds an, builds an altar over there and he sacrifices the altar over there and ultimately that will be the place where the temple is built from where the teaching of the word of God is supposed to go on. And what happens? From there, perfection starts, right? Perfection meaning? You're, you're being constantly taught. And what is New Covenant, Jerusalem? If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Onwards. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. 
to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the just made perfect. That is exactly what what it means. The teaching of the word of God, which is supposed to make you shalom. Shalom means complete, to be perfect. You see, and the problem is, there is a, there is a, Constant pull to come down and not stay up in Jerusalem. That's what happens, right? The, uh, uh, a man goes from Jerusalem to Jericho and he falls among thieves. It's interesting, he falls among thieves. That means thieves are already there. It's not that thieves fall on upon, upon him. He, <laughs> he falls among thieves. And what do the first thing, what do they do? They strip him naked. So what does Jesus say? Behold, I'm coming. Be watchful lest you be found what? Naked. And why did he become naked? Simply because he left Jerusalem. Understand these. They're very simple principles. And that's exactly what has happened. A lot of people have no teaching. And when you look at them, okay. Sorry to say, unfortunately, they have such little knowledge of the word of God. And they're open to anything because they don't, they're not under that covering and the protection of, of, um, of the teaching of the word. And there's a constant. As I said, who's ruling in Jerusalem? If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 14, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 14, right? Verse 17 onwards. <clears throat> Look at what it says. That the king of Sodom, who's the king of Sodom? No, 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 no. Melchizedek is not the king of Sodom. Okay. Bera is the sin of Sodom. He is the king of Sodom. And what does Bera mean? Destroyer. Exactly. And the king of Sodom, Bera, went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh. Now that's very interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting. You know what Shaveh means? <laughs> Level ground. Shaveh means agree with me. Now what is happening? Abraham... I just wrote this down. He just went to war, okay, for a, for for in, for rescuing an ungrateful nephew. You have enjoyed an amazing victory. Okay. You died to self. You rescued an ungrateful nephew who still did not learn the lesson and leave Sodom and follow after you. You enjoyed this amazing, amazing victory. But the king of Sodom is coming and what does he want to do? He wants to make you compromised and to bring you down to his level. His level. Come down and compromise. So it says, the king of Sodom and went and went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh. That is the king's valley. <laughs> After his return from defeat of, no, the word for defeat is not right. In the KJV, he uses the word slaughter. Okay, so Abraham was a man of war. Okay, not Abraham. Abraham was a man of war. He slaughtered Chedorlo, Omer, and the kings who were with him. Okay, he was a man of war. He finished them off. And then, it's a tremendous victory. Tremendous victory, and the king of Sodom is about to meet him, and somebody comes and intervenes. Then Melchizedek. Who? The king of Salem. 
What does that mean? Jerusalem brought out bread and wine when he was the priest. He was a priest of the God Most High. And we also have a Melchizedek, a high priest of the order of Melchizedek, who's seated at the right hand of the Father and who's ever forever there, what? Making what? Intercession for us. And he's called the high priest, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now, just before he meets Sodom, the king of Sodom, who, who comes? Melchizedek comes and interferes. And he says, Look at the words. I love the words here. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham. Yeah. Can somebody complete the sentence over there? Of God most high. That means whom do you belong to? Of God. Of God most high. Now the word for most high is, God most high is El Elyon. Most high God. That means you are there in the... Uh, your seek, your, your, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God. Okay. El Elyon. Okay. You're there. Blessed be God of um, Abraham of God most high. And he's also continuing to develop the, uh, the, uh, see the, the, uh, so the, a few more adjectives or, 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 or what we, what we're going to call attributes of this God most high. Blessed be Abraham of God most high. Possessor. Possessor of heaven and earth. Now the word for possess is very interesting. Kana, which means jealous. Who possesses you, possesses you, Abraham? I possess. The God who's called jealous. What did he do? Blessed be Abraham, you belong to God. So what is it? What does it mean? Jerusalem is a place where you're constantly reminded you belong to whom? God. And Jerusalem is a place you're constantly reminded, you know what? And God is absolutely jealous for you. Okay. And that is the reason why it says in James chapter 4 verse 4, you adulteresses and adulteresses, don't you know friendship with the world is what? Enmity with, enmity with God. And don't you know the spirit which side, which is inside in you, what? Yearns with jealousy for you. He, he possesses you. He bought you. Okay. Blessed be Abraham of God most high. Possessor of heaven and earth. So understand this. He owns you. He possesses he possesses you. And he is jealous for you. That is the reason why one of the words for God is what? God is what? Jealous. The word for jealous is again, again, the word uh, from which we get the word zeal. And that's exactly what he tells about Phineas. This he was zealous for me with my kind of jealousy, jealousy that he went and slaughtered those teachings in the, in the, in the, in the, in the tent of Israel, which was making them compromise. Okay, it's interesting, no? What it he tells the church at Pergamum, if I'm right, where you had the doctrine of, ba, um, of Balaam, right? The church of Pergamum, right? And he says, you know what? You're all okay. I see all your works, but one thing you have. What is that one thing? You allow, you tolerate. What is that? The doctrine of Balaam. You tolerate. You suffer. The, the word for uh, in KJV is you suffer the teaching. He says, how come? How come you being the the, 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 the pastor of uh, Pergamum with all these good char- characteristics. How are you allowing this? How are you allowing some of the church members to enjoy the teaching of uh, Balaam? You see, that is the reason why God is jealous for the pulpit. And he says, Paul says, no, you know what? I taught you the whole counsel of God and I am not guilty of any man's blood. Okay. So, what is it? You, you are blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And then look, look at verse 20. And he blessed God and blessed be God most high who had delivered your enemies into your hand. 
you are blessed and blessed is he and only one person who can bless both is jesus himself okay jesus is there he is the he is the, he is the essentially the 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 type of jesus over here the priest uh, of the order of melchizedek and he gave him a tithe of all and then the king of sodom said to abram give me the persons and take the goods for yourself you know see you you see 20 and 21 you'll see uh, immediate there's no gap apparently but there's a gap so Abraham has had this confrontation. I don't know what kind of a spiritual experience it was. You see, it says in Acts chapter 7 that the God of glory appeared to Abraham. So these are not ordinary people. They had incredible spiritual experiences. They had a confrontation. And it says that the gospel was preached to Abraham. Okay. So they had a revelation without scriptures. We have scripture, no revelation. They had revelation, no scripture. Very interesting. Okay. <laughs> Joseph had a script, had an incredible understanding about the holiness of God and he says, how can I do this great thing, great sin and wickedness again in the sight of God? Where do you know? Where do, what, what is the, how did you know that the Lord demands this kinds, these kinds of things from you? Simply because I have a relationship with him. I'm, he says, Abraham is going to become a great nation. He's going to command his children after him to follow the statutes and judgments of God. That means it was revealed to Abraham. It was later revealed to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai, but already Abraham had a semblance of who God was. And that is the reason why when he is asked by God to offer what? Isaac on the altar, he doesn't even blink. Why? Why, 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 why? And then then his son asks him, Father, everything is there, but where is the lamp for the burnt offering? God will himself provide. And when he goes to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac, ultimately he will not sacrifice Isaac. It says, in the place of Isaac, where whom does he sacrifice? A, a ram which is caught in the thicket. And ram is not an ordinary animal. It's a princely animal. That is the reason why, what? When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died. The word, actually the original song is on which the young prince of glory died. So he had a revelation of all, of who God was. And therefore he says, you know what, Abraham, Abraham, I know. Now I know that you, that you, that you what? Fear me. That you fear me. So these are not ordinary people. They are tremendous, tremendous encounters and revelation of who God was really. And then he's saying, and he's telling, and he's telling Abraham, 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 you are of the most high God and he is a possessor of heaven and the earth and he also possesses you. Therefore, do not drive him to jealousy with covetousness. Deal with covetousness. Which is what? In the new covenant? Idolatry. Okay. His name is jealous. He possesses you. You had a great victory. He, you died to self, you rescued your ungrateful nephew, you, you, who did not learn his lesson, he still didn't come after you. Now that you enjoy this amazing victory, don't use the battle against covetousness and greed. Know whose you are. So what is that? What is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is a place where you're constantly reminded whose you are. Think about it now. If you're not warned on a daily basis, and what is it? He's a God most high. It's like, you know, you are there, don't come to the level field. You remember, uh, one of the warnings uh, Jesus says, no, uh, if you actually turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 17, it's very interesting. Okay. Uh, this is when he's talking about uh, his uh, signs of the second coming. Some of the warning, warnings he says, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. 
Okay, stop there. Okay, this is enough. Okay, maybe 18 also you can see, but just think about it. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. What does it mean? See, housetop represents, represents an experience. It's very interesting. The word for housetop is doma, from which we get the word dome. Okay, from which we get the word, uh, you know, remember Rahab, you should see it's mentioned about actually exactly three times if I'm right in the three unique times, three unique times in the Septuagint. And one of the times is mentioned is when Rahab, you know, she hides those spies. Where does she hide? She hides them in the rooftop. Okay. And what does a rooftop exp- uh, what is it? What is a rooftop? Uh, it's, it's it's a place where you're secure. And the spies say, you know what? Gather all your household at the place where you hid us. Okay. And if nobody is hidden in the in the rooftop, we are not guilty of their blood. Okay. Understand? So you understand what is happening over here? So, so he says, you are now in the rooftop. You had a rooftop experience with God. Go, don't go down to the valley. Go down, don't, don't go down to the level of uh, covetousness and of, and of greed. See? That's what it says, no? The things of this, the, this, the things of this world, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures for other things, what did they do? They choked the word, and they did not come toward fruition. Okay? So, don't come down. Don't come down to the valley. Don't come down to Save. Don't agree with the devil. Don't make compromises with the devil. Say, you know what? Look at what it says. Look at how Abraham overcomes that fantastic, uh, what is it, temptation by the king of Sodom. Look at what he says into, in, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 14. Verse 21. Now onwards. 21 onwards. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons. And take the goods for yourself. That's exactly what Babylon is. Babylon, what do they do? They traffic in souls of men okay but abraham said to the king of sodom i have raised my hand to the lord god most high you is 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 it interesting isn't it interesting my dear brothers melchizedek says blessed be abraham of god most high now abraham adds something over here you have to read the bible very carefully lord thank you so much sammy a for the day for you okay lord he adds lord you know what he says he is the Lord of my life. He is not on the most high God. He is my Lord. Actually, the word is Yahweh, Yehovah, which is actually the covenant name of God. But you know what? The Jewish people, they don't mention the word Yahweh. They call him Adonai, which means my master. I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high. Meaning what? Now I have come under the subjection and to the authority of the word in my life. And I have got the power to overcome sin and temptation. You see, you see what Jerusalem signifies, my dear brothers and sisters, and how many people that do not have the power to resist temptation simply because they have not come under the lordship of the teaching. Lord Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. So, what does it mean? He possesses me also. The unfortunate thing is that he doesn't possess you, but actually, he actually possesses you. You don't know it. He's using you. Okay, the destroyer. The possessor of heaven and earth. And then what is, what does he say? Look at what it says. Verse 23. I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap. Kya baat hai? And that I will not take anything that is yours. Lest you say, I have made Abraham rich. Boy, boy, boy. That means with the devil, no soda. No negotiations. Don't even give him an inch 
so that he will have a legal right in your life. No. Remember? One day he will have a legal right. Did he not say, he is my, she is my sister? <laughs> so he gave him a legal right. That is the reason why I took her. With the integrity of my heart, he says. <laughs> so even the devil has the integrity. <laughs> See, before, before, before God, you all have to have integrity. Even the devil has integrity. Because he cannot hide. Where are you going? To and fro, up and down. That's my job. My job profile. You, you guys don't know. God knows. Have you considered my servant job? You see. With the integrity of my heart. You see. So don't come down to Save. Don't come down to the level of the devil. I, I like that level of the devil. <laughs> don't come down to his level. Stay up, stay up right there. That is the reason why it says, unless your righteousness, what? Exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. What do they do? They do compromises and compromises. And especially the eleven of the eleven of the Pharisees is what? Hypocrisy. And that's exactly you should look at Luke's Gospel chapter 12, how beautifully he explains the level eleven of hypocrisy, eleven uh, of the Pharisees. And you'll see five times the, the mention mention of the word fear, 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 fear. We'll come and we'll do a study later on, maybe, if time permits. So so understand, don't come down to the level of the devil. Stay there. Stay there. Even if it is difficult, stay there. Because God is going to give you the grace to overcome. Don't, don't come down. That is the reason why bread and wine signifies that. What is that? It is a strength that you receive from God himself so that you will be able to to live the teaching that God has given us. Alright, let's move on. Abraham belongs to the Most High God. Do you belong to the Most High God? Do you know that you belong to Him? Is there anything inside of our heart that causes us, causes jealousy to Him? That is the reason why it says the zeal for the house of the Lord consumed Him. So what did He do? He took a whip and chased out the money changers. Have zeal and repent. So first is about Simeon. He was a man in Jerusalem. I like that the word in Jerusalem. Okay. There's no, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love that. I like those words. Okay. In Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. Even though once you were slaves of sin, you became what? Slave. How did you become slaves of righteousness? You obeyed from the heart that form of teaching that was, that you were delivered to. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Therefore, Thanks be to God, it says. Thanks be to God. So, first thing, he was a person who was under the teaching. Second thing, he says, there was a man in Jerusalem, his name is what? Simeon. The word for Simeon in the Greek is very interesting. It actually comes from the word Shema in, 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 the, in the Hebrew. The word is very interesting. It says, hearkening. Hearkening means present continuous tense. Lot of us, lot of us have heard once upon a time. But when we ask ourselves, am I continuously hearing? Do I continue to hear? Has my hearing become more and more clear? Do I hear his voice like a trumpet says about John when he was in the island of Patmos on the Lord's day? In the spirit he heard the voice like what? Like trumpet and the sound of many waters? 
Let's go back now. Melchizedek. No, we are looking at Melchizedek. Let's do, go to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 onwards. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 onwards. <clears throat> yeah. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay, now look at the next verse. Of whom, of this Melchizedek, <laughs> we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. This is it. Problem is, you become dull of, isn't it interesting, you can become dull in hearing? That is the reason why one man of God said, I mentioned it sometime back. A lot of children, a lot of children of God or Christians have new birth, old growth. What is growing? Flesh is growing. Spirit is not growing. They have new birth, definitely. But old growth. And he says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles. In other words, we keep on coming back to point number one again. Have you seen? Every day for Abigail, I have four questions to ask on the dining table. Different ways I put word problems. And uh, suddenly during certain, uh, during certain times when she doesn't even expect. And sometimes if, you, if she's familiar with my voice, I'll ask my wife to ask her questions. Why are you allowing me to ask her questions? I said, because, because I know how she understands what she understands. So if she, if she's really got the idea and the intuition as to how to solve the problem, even if it comes from a unfamiliar voice, she should be able to discern. My goodness, as a father, I'm taking so much of care for stupid mathematics. So when Jason asks this question, I look at Abigail like that, no? Vijay, why are you more scared about how she's going to answer? Because you know what? I'm a father. I want to know whether from an unfamiliar voice she'll be able to discern and answer the question. Has she got the intuition to be able to know what where the problem stands or falls into two categories? Of course, for her, there's only two categories. No, either it's multiplication or division. That's all. I know exactly where she makes mistakes. She still cannot comprehend weight. Okay. <laughs> I know exactly why, where she makes mistakes. So I asked Justin, you ask this problem here. You ask this problem in this way. So sometimes I said, I don't even want to ask you how to ask. You ask your way. So to see whether she's growing or she's coming back to the same problem again. Okay. You see, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not what? Solid food. In other words, if I give you solid food, you're gone. You'll die. You see? Why? Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk, notice the word unskilled. Unskilled. Okay. Skill. You know, there are three things, okay? There is skill, there is no skill, there is unskill. Okay? Skill, if it is sharpened, becomes more skill. Okay? Sometimes no skill. Unskill means what? You have never used it. It's like a sportsman who comes out of injury. Who can defeat him? World number ranked 500 can defeat a fifth ranked player. Why? Unskilled. 
So, yeah, he's not skilled. In other words, he's, he's, he's not been... So it's, it's, it's not just that you meditate upon the word of God. It's just, just that you have no ability to do problem-solving meaning. Meaning if God were to put you in circumstances and situations, you will falter. See, it's a testing of the faith which, which will show you how skilled you are. You see, when, whenever you see some uh, uh, sportsmen, uh, you put them in any kind of a test, different kinds of players, they somehow find a way to overcome the difficulty and to go to match point. I mean, yesterday I was following Rafa's match on, uh, in French Open. He's, he's, he's fighting for his 21 Grand Slam, okay? Both uh, Federer and Djokovic and Rafa are in the same, the same draw. And uh, he was, he was against this 21 year old guy, a world rank number 71 player. Popeye from Australia. First set, 6-3. Second set, 6-2. Third set, that fellow broke him. And I said, boy, this is going to be a five-setter now. Not again, Rafa. That's what I was, I was not praying for Rafa, but I was just watching the score. No? <laughs> so, and I found that he broke him. Somehow, he found a way to break him back and take the set to tie-break and the window tie-break. You see, they somehow find resources. You put them in different difficult circumstances. They're able to come out. They're able to find spiritual resources deep down. I mean, for, 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 I'm, I'm extrapolating that example to ourselves. When, when you are able to put into different difficult circumstances, you have the resources deep inside of you, which is making, which is, uh, which is uh, enabling you to overcome the difficulty. And to put your trust in God. Not that you are, you are enabled uh, in yourself. You have the ability to stand strong and have the faith to weather the storm. You see. That is what I am talking about skill. Whatever difficulty, whatever place the devil puts you in, you are somehow able to see the wiles of the devil and come out. That is what I am talking about skill. In, in, in other words, any temptation the devil poses at you, you have an answer for it and you have a place to, a way to overcome. He will take you and say, he will, he will test you with hunger and lack and what will you say? If you are the son of God. In other words, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, how come you are hungry? How come you don't have anything to eat? Oh, great son of God. In other words, he's questioning the father. Is this the find of a father you serve? You know what he says? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. How? How do I know it? Because it is written. He knows exactly how to come out of every temptation and trial and the problem that the devil throws at him. Simply because he's got the resources, the skill to come out of situations which the devil may place you in. Do we have the skill? Sometimes, you know, God only tests us. Not beyond our ability. Sometimes he doesn't allow those tests because we, he knows that we don't have the ability. Every place Joseph is being put, what is happening? He's able to come out. Temptation from Pathiver is able to come out. Okay. The, 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 his ten ungrateful brothers are doing everything. He's able to come out. He's able to come out simply because he's skilled. He's not unskilled. How do we know he's unskilled? It says, it says, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is those who by reason of use, you see that? By the reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern what? Both what is good and what is evil. In other words, they have the discernment. They know exactly where it is going to take them if they take this course of action. They are able to calculate precisely the, dis- the, the end result of every decision. My dear brothers, this is so, so important. Why? Because he is a man who is... Hearing is present continuous. 
Mm-hmm. That is the reason why he says in First Corinthians chapter three, verse one onwards. Okay. <clears throat> Paul in First Corinthians chapter three, verse one one onwards. Sorry, bro. The problem is, all my gadgets are gone. Okay, because the school has started. Uh, that's the reason why. Apologize. <laughs> all my gadgets gone. And I, brothers, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. Carnal, carnal, carnal. What is carnal? People who are either two, either they are of the flesh, sarks, or of the soul, which is numa, uh, which is uh, suke. So the three kinds of people, the people of the the carnal Christians, even though they are, this is an oxymoron, I think, but, uh, but you know, some, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what Ramachandran, <coughs> Rajkumar Ramachandran, there are so many kinds of Christians. There are, uh, what? Carnal Christians? Uh, almost Christians? On the way Christians? Uh, unbelieving Christians? Believing Christians? There is only one Christian. Either you believe in Christ or not. There are no two types. Look at it, he says, I, brethren, cannot speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal as to babes. And what do you do with a babe? We can do, you can expect nothing from it. Think about it. And he says, by this time, you were supposed to be what? In, uh, at least in uh, undergrad, minimally. And what am I doing now? This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> Can you imagine if I do that with Abigail now? I'm, I was looking at all the old pictures of Abigail and all the old videos. Now if I look at her, I say, Baba, what is this height and where was she when she was like, what, 11 years back, 10 years back? Those times, and how how do we communicate now? We communicate math now on the table. <laughs> then, then what do I, what could I do then? Nothing. <laughs> Only milk and poop. That's all. Changing the diaper. And she's not sleeping. She had one thing for sure. She had a gyroscope which she did not know that she had. But she could intuit the gyroscope. Inbuilt gyroscope. Height sensor. When she was about, like what, six or seven months old, three or four months old. You have to put her on your chest. Okay, and stand to put her to sleep. Okay, you change your orientation even by one degree. <laughs> She'll start crying. So you move, you 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 just keep on doing this, rocking her and rocking her and rocking her and slowly you put and try to sit down for a while to because you just want to catch up for you know catch some a few hours of sleep before you go to the lab next day. I'm thinking about the lap. <laughs> and she has no clue. And the moment I sit down, she starts. That's all I can do with the child. Put her to sleep. And he says, I could not speak to you as spiritual. You know, it's, there are, you know, in other translations, he says, you, you are, you are, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. What is the word natural? People who are soulish, who are intellectual. They cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they are what? It's foolishness to them. And he says, you are babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you are not able, you don't have the strength to receive what? Solid food. And even now you are still not able. Why? Verse 3. And he gives a reason. For. I like the word for. 
Is it there? Thank you. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife and divisions. Are you not carnal? And behaving like what? Mere men. There are, There is mere men and there is the man who is in Jerusalem. Who lives in Jerusalem? Who is it? Shimon. You see? Mere men. And then of course he talks about the divisions in the church. We don't want to go into the details. What is that? They are babes in Christ. You can't speak to them. Simple. Why? Because they are unskilled. You, know, you want to look at the word for unskilled? You have turned with me to Zechariah chapter 11. Verse 15 onwards. Zechariah chapter 11 verse 15 onwards. This is again, again I'm, I, was, I was doing a study on that. It, it's, it's from the Septuagint. Okay, Septuagint which is a Greek translation of uh, of the Old Covenant where the word for unskilled is used in this, in this, in that, in, in that particular uh, uh, context. And the Lord said to me, next, take for yourselves the implements of a, now the word for foolish is a word, what do you think? Unskilled, yeah, thank you. For, and, the, and the Lord said to me, next take yourself the implements of a foolish shepherd or an unskilled shepherd. The problem is shepherds, now think about it. If it is okay for the congregation to be unskilled, unskilled. If the shepherd is unskilled, <laughs> you know, you know, one pastor's conference, one man of God, you know, he went to this pastor's conference and, um, and after the first session of the teaching, they came to him and they said, uh, pastor, Mm, I want you to talk to the other pastor over there who came to the pastor's conference, he said. So he said, what should you do? What, what should I talk to him about? He said, no, pastor, tell him that you should not steal my sheep. And he looked at that uh, pastor and he said, pastor, what do sheep need? Okay. Sheep need grass. Okay. Sheep need what? Grass. If you grow grass, Fantastic grass. Why will they go to another place? Are you going the grass? He had to just keep his mouth shut. I go, just grow proper grass. And what kind of a grass? He leads me beside what? Green pastures. Shepherds. What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to feed the flock. They have to be skilled shepherds. And what is what are the instruments of a unskilled shepherd? He's got tools, Baba. <laughs> I was like thinking about it, no? No, I was thinking, no. What tool does he have? This is the only tool. That's what one man of God every he said, he said, he made a very interesting statement. He said, All those who have the Bible, they don't have the truth. All those who have the truth, they don't have all truth. What a statement that is. Think about that. All those who have the Bible, they don't have the truth. All who have the truth, they don't have the all truth. All the truth. In other words, they're still not, they're still figuring it out. And therefore, what is supposed to be a shepherd or a, or a minister of the word of God supposed to do? He's supposed to dig deep and he has to take his implement. Somebody said, no, the software is as good as a person who's using it. There's only one tool. It has, the problem is the word of God in your mouth. That is important. That is the reason why he says, this, this book of the law shall not depart from where? Ah, thank you so much. And thou shalt meditate upon it. Day in and day out. It's a meditation of the word of God. Constantly thinking about the ways of God. 
These are the tools, my dear brothers. God has not given us any other thing except this. How good are you at this? How good are you able to take a particular problem that you are facing and dig into the word of God to find a solution for that? You see? That is the reason why we are exhorted constantly from the pulpit. Boss, you have to constantly, you have to hear from God yourself so that you will be able to solve the problems that come your way, yourself. And there are implements of a foolish shepherd. Tools, he's got tools of a And what are those tools? <laughs> he goes on. Look at what it says. Next verse, verse 16. <clears throat> Are we there? Yeah. For indeed, I will raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are cut off. Isn't it interesting? Who's going to raise him? God is going to raise. Because you did not accept it. The shepherd. What is God going to do? He's going to raise an unskilled shepherd who will not care for those who are cut off, who will not seek the young, who will not heal those who are broken, nor feed that which are standstill, but he will eat the flesh of the fat of the fat and tear their hoofs in pieces. What is he going to do? He's going to, he's going to devour the sheep. What are they? These are people what we call as wolves in sheep's clothing. These are hirelings. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock a sword shall be against his arm and against his right right eye. His arm shall completely wither and his right eye shall be totally blinded. I like the word right eye. You know, I, I always keep telling you, you can do the experiment in your own in your own laboratory called your, your body. Just close one, right, one eye. Just close one eye and try to put two things together like this. Why? Uh, you don't have depth. Simple. You don't have the perception of depth. And what does Nakash want? Your right eye and your right toe. And your there's no depth. There is totally blinded. These are instruments of an unskilled shepherd. So do you have depth? Do you have hearing, my dear brothers, is a question. Do I hear from God? In other words, even when you are listening to a sermon. For teaching. You should be able to, you know, apply the word for your own situation and say, how does it apply to my life? That's what we call about taking the word of God and putting it into action. <clears throat> and what about Jesus? We know it very well, right? Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, no? We like this. Very, very well. I love this about Jesus. This is what it talks about Jesus. Chapter 50 and verse 4. Uh, if you can put it in uh, the in ASB, it'll be great. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the disciple. Why? That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. I don't need many words. I just need a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. This is what we call as a discipline of hearing. So what does Simeon means? He's constantly hearing. His hearing is becoming so, 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 so clear. So you know what? He's so sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. You know, he goes one moment to the temple. Suddenly the Spirit reveals to him that... Jesus has come. Immediately he goes, look at how sensitive he might be, he might be. How clear his perspective and vision. The Lord is in his temple. Go and meet him. You understand, my dear brothers? 
So we don't take these things lightly. Say, Lord, increase my hearing, Lord. Increase my hearing. You see, you need an open heaven. Right? Whom does he teach the, whom does he give an open heaven? It's very interesting whom he gives the open heaven. He gives to the Israelite in whom there is no guile. And what does an open heaven signify? He says, you know what? You will see the heavens open and angels of God, what? Ascending this and he's talking about the ladder which will take you to heaven. And who are there? Angels of God. What do the angels signify? Who are angels? The messengers. Who are their teachers? What do they do? They take you from one glory to another glory. They're teaching you, they're teaching you, they're teaching you, they're teaching you until you reach the heights of God. From, from down earth to heavens. And the ladder is Jesus himself. He is the ladder. And there are heights in Jesus that we are supposed to know. And who teaches? The angels. That is the reason why he says to the angel of God, of, 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 of God in, in Sardis, the angel of God in Smyrna, etc., etc. They are supposed to be what? Angels who minister and speak the word of God and declare the word of God and teach the word of God and take them to different heights. Okay, that is the second thing. First is, he is a man in Jerusalem. Second, he is a man whose name is Simeon, a man who has got the hearing. Third, actually, well, we can club both of these. Let's go back to 25. It says, he was a just and devout man. So interesting is, first is just. Who's declaring him as just? Spirit of God, because it's been inspired by the Spirit of God. Okay, so it is not uh, he himself calling I'm righteous like uh, like the way uh, so, like the way uh, what's his name? Uh, no, 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 no. Job says okay. Uh, ultimately, Job says you know what? When he sees God, he says I despise myself and I bore myself and I and I and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. See, this is this is God Himself, the Spirit of God Himself calling him what just or what we call uh, in the other other translations. We'll use the word righteous. Okay, so what does it mean? He he's got a righteousness which comes from faith. And what do or my what do my righteous live by? They live by faith. Okay. Now think about it. He is both righteous and devout. Devout comes from the word in the the Hebrew word for 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 devout is the Hebrew word chesed. Chesed means the one who's set apart. We get from uh, the word chesed from the word chesed. Okay, so it's very interesting. The the, the play on words is fantastic. Chesed means covenantal. Love. Chesed means the person who has got a covenantal relationship based upon love with God. So what is he? He is a person who is just and a person who is set apart. Again, it's rendered as saint in other translations. Meaning what? He is righteous and holy. Both. You understand? He is righteous and holy. A lot of people are righteous and not necessarily holy. What does holy mean? They are set apart, not set apart for God. They are righteous for themselves. Because if they are righteous, it's good for themselves. No, that's somebody said, no, if you're righteous, you're, I think one verse in the Bible, I forget that verse. I was trying to f- search it in the morning, uh, right just before I, I came to the teaching over here. He says, uh, if you're righteous, you're righteous for your own self, something like that, something to that effect. Okay. I forget the verse. I'll find it out. Or maybe you can find it out. Uh, so, r- r- he says, you're righteous, you could be righteous. Good for you. <laughs> but are you set apart for God? He's not just righteous, he's righteous and it says devout means he's set apart. He's wholly given himself to God. I know a lot of righteous people but they are not holy, meaning set apart for God. 
See, never, never equate righteousness with holiness. Please, 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 please. A lot of people make that mistake. Just because you're living a righteous life does not mean that you're living a holy life. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. What does holy mean? Lord, I'm yours. And you have total rights over my life. You see? So that is exactly what happens to a person who has given himself to the ministry of the word. What has happened to him? He's not only righteous, that means he's not only living by faith, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, he's also become devout in that he's set apart for God. And how does these two happen simultaneously in that you are not only holy, uh, righteous, you're also set, set apart for God. First of all, let us see what it's, what, what, what this word holy means, uh, in two places. I, I just want to put that in context so that you'll find this word, uh, he's a man who's just, he's a man who's devout. Turn with me to Psalm 4 verse 3. You know this verse very well. <clears throat> just to put it in context. It says, but know that the Lord has separate, set apart the godly man for himself. Look at that. 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 But know that the Lord has set apart for himself who is godly. The Lord will hear him when I call to him. See that? Who's he talking about? David is talking about himself. He's saying, I am set apart for God. And what does he say in Psalm 12 verse 1? Look at what it says in Psalm 12 verse 1. Help Lord for the godly man. Jesus. That means there are not, not, not many people who are set apart for God. They may be living righteous lives, but they are not set apart for God. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. You see. And what is the quintessential, what do you say, characteristic of a man who is godly, who is devout, who is set apart for God? It says Psalm about, about this godly man, Psalm 50 verse 5. Psalm 50 verse 5. Psalm 50 verse 5. It says, <clears throat> Sorry, Sami. Apologize for making you handicapped. Although you're not. <laughs> okay. Gather my saints, that is those people who are chesed or set apart people, together to me, those who are made a covenant with me with what? Sacrifice. Boy, this is, this is a different level altogether. In other words, you can become righteous, but you cannot become set apart for God unless there is what? A cost to be paid, paid a price to be paid. That is what we call as a cost of discipleship. There is a cost. There is no cheap grace, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer would say. I mean, I tried to read cost of discipleship. You know what? You read the book, you cannot proceed because your life is so shallow. You just can't read the book just for the sake of reading. <laughs> Tried it. I said, Mama, I give up. I, I need to at least come to a certain level to before I finish it, no? Okay, it's unbelievable it is, that book. You know, you remember that guy when uh, when the pastor comes to him and he says, you know what, stay here. You know what, if you go to Germany, um, you might be captured and uh, your life will be in danger. You know what he says? If I don't go to Germany now, I will be a living light to everything that I believed in. Wow, what a statement. I'll be a lie. I'll be living a lie to everything that I believe in. Those who have made a covenant with God, with me, by what? Sacrifice. You see? Is there a sacrifice in our lives? Can we, do we sacrifice sleep? 
that is the one thing that we don't want to sacrifice <laughs> sacrifice food sacrifice simple pleasures and comforts a little little if it is a little un- uncomfortable and inconvenient uh, we don't want to come you see those days there was only one church and to be kept out of the church was oh my goodness you know what hand him over to satan no <laughs> You want to, you don't want me to invite, be invited to your church. I have so many other options. You see, this is not easy, my dear brothers. Who are those saints? Who are those devout? They made a covenant with God by sacrifice. And one covenant we know that what Job made, even though you slay me, I will still serve you. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? That is what is called as covenant. In other words, you can, you and I also can say, Lord, I don't know anything. There is only one plan for me. That is called plan A. Plan B is hell. If I fall, I'm yours. If I arise, I'm yours. Live or die, I'm yours. Simple. This is exactly what I, what I tell myself. If I'm messed up and I sinned, okay, and I, I don't feel worthy enough, you know, at that moment in time, you're really, so, oh God, what a stupid fellow I was, Lord. I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, etc., etc. And then I have to tell God, you know, Lord, okay, I know that you're forgiven, I don't know how, how you're gonna, where I stand with you, I don't know where I stand with you, but one thing I wanna tell you, Lord, Lord, I don't know, I don't have any other place to go, I only have you. That's it. Only you. Okay? So, how do you, how does one become both righteous and devout, you know, what we call us, what we call us chastening, which we don't like, <laughs> which we don't like at all, Baba. See, these dual characteristics of righteousness and holiness only is possible through chastening. Hebrews chapter 12. Let me prove that to you from scripture. Hmm? Verse 10 onwards. <clears throat> 10 to 12. Sami? 10 to 11, Sami. And 10 and 11, that's enough. Both, both these verses together. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. So chastening is for being partakers of his holiness. And then verse, verse 11, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, it yields the peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So you see, training needs a lot of sacrifice. And therefore, if you want to be both just and devout, you are, in other words, righteous and holy, what God has to take you through? Chastening. More. Discipline. It's difficult. That's what I, yesterday, yesterday I was talking to the parents after pastor preached and we were just, it was a student, actually parents orientation and today we have students orientation. Parents orientation means because everybody's disoriented after a holiday. Okay. And they're in international space station. So we have to bring them to ground, ground zero, reality. <laughs> and now exams. This is life. Hmm? Not eternal, but uh, this is, <laughs> this is life. Okay. So the parents orientation, I was telling them, no, uh, we have homeschool now or rather schooling use it as an advantage one of the advantages and because i have two guinea pigs in my home especially abigail now is you can give them what personal attention the greatest advantage of homeschooling is personal attention which they love and which they hate you know that attention they love attention they hate it's a love-hate relationship they love when you are very affectionate to them and they hate when you discipline them Mm, it's a love-hate relationship Why? 
भाई 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 ट्वेंटी टू फिफ्टीन प्रॉब्स ये बाइबल इज वेरी वेरी क्लियर सोफिया which means wisdom and moron means you are a moron you are still half wise and half moron <laughs> in that in other words your second year btech baba you are a moron still so i have a, 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 i i know i i i have a joke in my in my in my class i call him albert hey albert he looks at me you are still not einstein okay you still albert mm-hmm. <laughs> you, only after you finish 5 uh, years of the program then you will become Einstein. Okay, so you're still Albert. They're all still Alberts. Foolishness is bound up. He's a default position of a child that he's a very difficult for parents to accept. Bah, my child a fool. Come to reality, Bob. I didn't say that. Proverbs, Proverbs said, Bible has said that, and it says the rod of discipline will drive foolishness far away from it. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave. the god of love hears my heart or take and seal it seal it for the courts of power yeah, i think uh, i think there is a fountain filled with blood is also it's got some, some cords or something like that i forget the stanza so it's there deep down inside of all of us there is foolishness there is folly the woman named folly <laughs> what does she say stolen waters are sweet bread eaten eaten in secret is pleasant but what is there there is what the way to hell and none who have gone to that path have returned they have been captured by hell sheol proverbs chapter 20 verse 30 okay we can put it in both the normal translation if you can put actually niv and then uh, and then of course kjv i love that in kjv and niv <coughs> <coughs> foolishness is bound up oh, sorry sorry oh, sorry 2030 2030 easy to remember 22 15 okay blows that hurt kya baat hai ah there are blows which don't hurt in other words you give them a blow it has to ah you think uh, god when he is spanking us oh, vijay don't do it will he say that no baba rappa rappa vedtu rendu okay i have to remember those blows Mm-hmm. blows that hurt cleanse away evil as to stripes the depths of the heart look at this what it says in, in the kjv it's even more interesting in the kjv kjv mein laga do bas badhiya hai kjv mein both koi baat nahi the niv inmost being yeah blows and wounds cleanse away evil and beating purge the inmost being blueness of a wound in other words do lagane ke baad blue aaye rena that fellow has to have a mark and that's exactly the reason why you know what paul says i have borne the marks of christ please don't bother me anymore i bear on my body the marks of the lord jesus christ a man who was incredibly chastened no wonder he was a, one of the most holy men who ever lived 
the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. You know, that's a word for which we get the word guts or kidneys out of your belly shall flow what? The rivers of living water. That has to be cleansed. And what cleanses it? The blows. That is the reason why David will say, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I learned your commandments. It was good that I was afflicted. How many of you are disciplined? Then you are loved. The intensity of your discipline is directly proportional to the intensity of your love and love for God and God's love for you. Psalm 89, verse 30 to 33. Psalm 89, verse 30 to 33. <clears throat> the blue, sorry. <laughs> if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, what am I going to do? This is what I'm going to do. If they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, what am I going to do? For 32 and 33. Then I will punish their transgressions with a rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness. So what was chesed again? Chesed from which we got the word chesed, which means set apart. Nevertheless, my loving kindness, I will not utterly take from them, nor allow my faithfulness to depart. Kya baat hai? Therefore, God is faithful when he strikes us. That is the reason why he's called, his, one of his names is Yahweh Makhe, which means what? The Lord who strikes. Okay, The Lord who strikes is faithful in striking. <laughs> he struck the rock and he also struck Moses. When he, when they asked him, when he asked him to speak to the rock, you are not going to enter. <clears throat> All right, everybody. So he was a man who was in Jerusalem. His name is Simeon. He was just. He was devout, and then he was a man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That means he had a burden for souls. Consolation means from which we get the word paracleo, which means to comfort. To which we again the word comforter comes from the word paracleo. And you know this verse, no? Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. <clears throat> verse 1 onwards. <clears throat> okay. Waiting for the consolation. Meaning he was really had a burden for souls. See, it's so interesting, no? A man who is in, in Jerusalem, a man who is hearing, a man who is just, a man who is devout, only that man has got a burden for souls. Genuinely. The order is very clear. It's very, very clear. So otherwise we will have manufactured burden. Hmm? Genuine burden. Because you will know exactly what to speak to the person. A word of comfort or a word of rebuke. Remember the two dreams that Joseph gives? For, to the first person, positive dream. That fellow said, oh, this fellow got a positive answer. You know, this is my dream, this is my dream. Third, three days, you'll, your head will be cut off. Kya baat hai? <laughs> Super, but to, but the same person is not scared of giving the positive and the negative. You know why? Because there's a man in whom the spirit of God is. We'll come to that later on. Okay, so he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. So what does it say? Comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord, Lord's hand what? Double for our sins. Let's, let's move on, move on, move on, move on, move on. How do you console people? You don't console normally, right? The voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Hmm, uh, make straight Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then he says, verse 4, 
But it was four. Let's read till verse 7, okay? Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places smooth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh, flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And then, goes on. The voice said, cry out. And, and what shall I cry out? All flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is a flower of grass. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word or the breath of the Lord blows upon it. You see, that's exactly what Peter says in the first Peter chapter 1. He says, all flesh is as grass. All the glory of it is as the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the gospel that we preached to you. The word of consolation. The word of reconciliation. Those people who really have a word of consolation and a reconciliation. So man who is waiting for the consolation of Israel. And upon him, sixth one, a man upon whom the Holy Spirit was. What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit upon you? What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit upon you? If you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. You see that? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of mind, the spirit of the knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord sevenfold. And his delight, if you can just put verse 3, and if you can put it in KJV, that's very interesting. His delight, KJV, is not in, this is in KJV. It's coming, huh? okay. And she shall make him quick understanding in the, if you, you know what the word for quick understanding is? Smell. Yahapar is fear of not? Nahi hai. Yahapar fear of Lord? Hai. In other words, he'll be able to smell himself also. Whether there's fear of the Lord or not. Remember body order? In Telugu there is a very interesting saying, every kampu what impu. Meaning, your smell is very pleasant to your own self. For others it is a stench. Raj, Raj, Raj is trying to explain it. I love that. I love that, Raj. Everybody loves their own smell. They can't. They're not. I mean, they are. They have learned to live with their own body order. In other words, right? Quick to smell the fear of the Lord. This is not of God. You see, he understands what. The mind of the spirit is. He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Why? Because he trusts in him. His delight is in the fear. Or he's quick to smell the fear of the Lord. He's quick to know whether he's got the fear of the Lord or not. My goodness, ask this question, no? In every decision, every thought, every action, if you see whether it is motivated by the fear of God or fear of man, you will know. See that? The Holy Spirit was upon him. And then of course, a man who had the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You see, a revelation comes last. I love that. You have all these characteristics, then revelation comes. I like that. That is genuine revelation. A man who was in Jerusalem, that means a man who is constantly hearing, a man who is just, a man who is devout, a man who is having a burden for souls, a man who has got the sense of the fear of God, and now the man has got the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. God can 
trust you. It's safe in you. You have become the steward of the mysteries of God. Because you'll be able to hold for the mystery of God in a what? In a clear conscience. In a clear conscience. Manasilayo. Why? In First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. Verse 9. <clears throat> But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. You see, the revelation has to go to the heart of man, where there is a, which is the seat of the spirit. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. All things work together for the good who love him. Okay. Okay, and then, to love him. But then, was, 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 uh, next verse, just the next verse. Don't have to go there. Uh, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Why? Simply because he has the ability to wait on God. <laughs> he's not impatient with God. He knows how patient God is with him. And therefore he's also patient with God. God will reveal when he has to reveal. No? No, Sami? Yeah, we don't have to be hurrying in hurry to for revelation. Wait. <laughs> wait, it'll come. See, when, it, when, it, when it comes, it will not destroy. It will not puff your mind. Understand? So many years he waited. So that is what the ministry of the word does. It prepares you for coming of the Lord. And then you have the ministry of prayer. If you turn with me again to Luke's gospel chapter 2 and we'll, fi- we'll finish with this, with this thing and then we will stop. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke's gospel chapter 2 was 36, 36 to 37, <clears throat> uh, 36 to 38. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. It says, now there was one Anna. Anna means grace, okay? The one who has received grace. A prophetess. A daughter of Penuel, which means the one who has seen the face of God. I like that. <laughs> that is where exactly where Joseph, sorry, Jacob meets God at Peniel, right? He he sees the face of God. Of the tribe of Asher, Asher means what? Blessed or happy. Asher, Ashrei Haish. Happy is the man Blessed is the man who walks not in the council. The word is Ashrei, Asher. Now these, now there was Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. What details, what details given over here? She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. That means she had a seven year relationship. After that, she was a widow. In other words, she became a young widow. Young widow. How did she have a revelation of God? Let's read on. Verse 37. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years old. Not even 3 score and 10. Okay. 3 score and 10 plus 4. 14. Okay. 3 score and 14. Hmm? Who did not depart from the temple? Again, you see, you see, the ministry of prayer is only authentic when the person stays under the teaching. It's very clear. Very clear. But served God with what? Fastings and prayers night and day. That means, you know what? One thing I know about this woman. You know what? From what? From a young age. One thing is very clear. One thing is very, very clear about this woman. What is it? 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 6. Okay? 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 6. But... This is a widow. 
The widow who lives in pleasure is dead. But what is she? She is not given to pleasure. She is dead to pleasure through fastings and prayer and alive to God. How is she alive to God? She never departed from the temple right from the days of her virginity. Sorry, when her husband died, when seven years from her virginity. See, she served God with fastings. Okay. So these two ministries are there, my dear brothers. The ministry of the word symbolized by Simeon and the ministry of prayer symbolized by Anna and both are there in the temple in Jerusalem. And verse 38, 37. And this woman was a widow who did not depart but served God with fasting and prayers night and day and coming in that instant, you look at that. She knows precisely the timing of God. That's the reason why it says, my dear brothers, you're sh- concerning times and seasons. I don't want you to be what? Ignorant. She's also not ignorant. Why? She has been continually giving herself to fasting and prayer. And coming in that instant, she, she gave what? Thanks to God and spoke of him to all who looked forward. She also was looking for the redemption of Israel. You see? It's amazing, isn't it? God is no respecter of persons. Who is a widow? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9. She is beyond 64 years now. So we know what, how Paul is going to qualify her. A widow, she, she has to be, uh, she, uh, let, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. And not unless she has been the wife of one man. Next. Well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good. If you count how many things you you think you'll find? Seven. Absolutely. A perfect man and a perfect woman. Devoting herself continually to the ministry of prayer. So the question is, one thing we all have to practice is fasting, fasting. Fasting meaning what? Fasting could be from anything. Like fasting from things which occupy our mind and delving in the last days more and more, spending more more and more time in the ministry of the word, in the ministry of pr- prayer, so that, so that it works in our lives and prepare us for the coming of Jesus. A church which is not ready for the coming of the Lord is not a church at all. Why? First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22 and we will stop. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus, let him be anathema. Oh Lord, come. He says, oh Lord, come. And we say, oh Lord, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> that is crazy, no? Oh Lord, wait, Lord, I have to get this right, get this right, get this right, get this right, get this right. Examinations postponed examination. Twelfth class also board exam is gone. See. It is Karuna batch, Karuna batch. <laughs> you are getting Karuna from the government, Baba. <laughs> oh my goodness. If anyone does not love the Lord. Let him be accursed. 
oh lord come he says you know what we should be hastening the day of the coming of the lord not what manner of persons are we to be living in holiness and godly conduct in this presentation so this morning we are beginning we have already begun our 14th year let us live in the anticipation that he is coming that's what i titled today's work teaching in the light of his coming let gtc progress okay <laughs> in the light of his coming i remember when we started the uh, the church the first bible study series we started was the book of revelation you know what pastor said i remember so many so vividly said vijay the lord is asking me to teach from the book of revelation to prepare the church for the last days 13 years we've been doing that consistently constantly and his coming is what <laughs> at the door so let us live in the light of his coming so that that day will not overtake as a thief amen let's pray father we want to thank you father for this morning oh, lord so many lessons that have to be learned and to put to practice sometimes our knowledge is so beyond our life but in your mercy o oh lord you allowed the disconnect but lord i pray lord that you would grant us the grace to catch up to catch up o oh lord because your word says the servant you who knew the master's will and did not do it will be beaten with more stripes for whom much is given much will be required pray lord that you would bless us all with the grace that we will catch up which what we have acquired in our minds and in our heads enable us lord to constantly live in the light of his coming of your coming and enable us to confidently say one day at least o oh lord come maranatha we thank you lord we praise you we give you glory for this time we just worship you we just once again want to thank you father for our church for our church lord you have given us this gift oh we want to thank you what a privilege lord the more i think about it the more my heart is filled with gratitude i was a part of this church right from its inception almost i know you've been a blessing you this has this church has been a blessing to me i pray father that the investment that you have done in our lives as a church will not go in vain as you exhorted the church in galatians through your servant paul when he said oh, Lord, oh my dear galatians do not receive the grace of god in vain and therefore i pray that you would that you that we would receive the grace to work out our salvation with fear and trembling in the light of your coming we thank you father we praise you we give you glory for in jesus name amen god bless you all